Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Thank you all very much for listening. This is the Haven't Seen It podcast. I am your host, Tim Sestito. Alongside with me is Tommy Tevene. Hey, guys. What's up? So we decided to start a podcast because it's 2021. And, you know, I mean, obviously we're... Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Bas- basically, like book clubs have gone out of fashion and uh, we're all in on the Zoom now. So we figured why not we uh, make some fun out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, and, you know, it's obviously going to be a success because there's only like 30 of them out there. Uh, yeah. So I guess I'll kick it over to Tommy to just give a little explanation of what the concept of this podcast is. Uh, Tommy. All right, so the concept is pretty simple. Basically, uh, Timmy and I choose a movie. Uh, we try and do three months uh, where uh, one of us has not seen the movie and we talk about it and just basically figure out, do we like the movie? Do we hate it? Uh, why do we recommend it in the first place? All that good stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, you know, we're going to get two kind of perspectives. You're going to get somebody who has not seen the movie before and you're going to get the perspective of somebody who has seen the movie before. Also, if we really want to watch a new movie, we can just watch a new movie because neither of us have seen it before. It fits in the rules. (laughs) Hey, listen, neither of us doesn't say how many people haven't seen it. It has to just be one of us. Uh, It doesn't have to just be one of us. So to keep in the spirit of Christmas, uh, we decided to start with Home Alone 2. The number one comedy in America is a real scream. All right, so Tommy, let me ask you a very serious question here. Okay. What went wrong with your childhood that you were not able to experience the dream of going down (laughs) Fifth Avenue in a limousine? With a, with a big old cheese pizza. So yeah. this is Tommy's first time seeing the movie. Yeah, Tommy, why don't you give us a little of your general impressions of what you thought of the movie? So, yeah, I pretty much think I just watched Home Alone 1 again, except in uh, New York this time. Uh, pretty much beat for beat, like a lot of the same shit we saw in the first movie. Uh, John Hughes didn't really seem to care about, like, ah, whatever, people just want to see uh, Joe Pesci do his shit. Whatever. <laughs> Got- this is when the cocaine had really taken over, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's one of those things that's just like, it, it was enjoyable. I mean, it's an enjoyable watch, but it really wasn't anything fresh or original, which I guess you could say for a lot of sequels. So, Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, for, for me, I don't particularly care because like you're kind of, it's a kid's Christmas movie. So like yeah. it, it's kind of the fun of it. And like they were able to come, like the real charm of the original one is like the relationship between Kevin and the neighbor whose name I'm forgetting and like turning his entire house, which he knows into a booby tra- boob giant booby trap, essentially. Yeah. That's, you know, that's the real fun of that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and it's that dream you've, you probably always had as a kid of like, I'm home alone. Like, like when you were a kid, you were annoyed at your parents. You were yeah. like, Oh, what if they were gone here? I could just eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I could, do whatever and and you get to see that that's the charm of it this one's a little this one's a little different and you know like a lot of sequelitis especially in the early 90s yeah. in, in the late 80 era is where they would um really start to go and go to a bigger thing there's a lot of for example like 
like I was, I think I was talking to you before about it. It's like Die Hard 2 in New York. Yeah. Babe 2 in New York. <laughs> One of the Muppet sequels. The Muppets take Manhattan. In, in New York. It's like, it's like, uh, oh, we don't know what to do. Why don't we just send them to New York and yeah, see what happens? Exactly. Uh, like, because... We had uh, Jason Takes Manhattan 2. Uh, there's also just so many other random movies. We're just like, fuck it. New York City works. <laughs> we'll do it. People think it's exotic enough. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's a weird case of it. I think the one thing it gets right, in my opinion, it, it nails the holiday spirit yeah. of New York, which I think is definitely romanticized by a lot of people. The uh, like the walking down Fifth Avenue, the lights, the Rockefeller Christmas tree. Yeah, Rockefeller you know, in the ending alone, like oh, Kevin, this is the biggest fucking Christmas tree. <laughs> yeah. So 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 you know it, it's a uh, it's a uh, I think that's a big part of the charm that it gets right with the scales. And that's a very classic John Hughes. Um, the main criticism is the originality yeah. of, of it. But uh, for me, it, I, and maybe it's because I saw it when I was like seven and it was like, he's in a limo going down fifth Avenue with a cheese pizza. Like, like as two New Yorkers, that was one of those things that like, well, growing up, I must've been like, Oh fuck, this is awesome. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah exactly I, it's one of those uh dreams that that you know that it, it captures that childhood i think that that the home alone series kind of really nailed with kevin where they kind of it, they basically like he john hughes took ferris bueller and just yeah. kind of like shrunk him down and made him like a little more awkward where like and just made him like the like like just like right when the movie begins with with uh with buzz like like the the choir scene where Kevin has the solo and yeah. Buzz is doing the things with the lights and Kevin pushes him and ruins the show mm. and then Buzz gives his fake apology and what was the, there's some what is he you know he he tells him he, he's, that, he, he gives a bullshit spiel he's like oh, however I'm sorry I guess I'm sorry that Kevin made a joke of himself <laughs> yeah and and, uh, and um, yeah so you know it's it's little things like that. Um, uh, you know that that are kind of like beat for beat i remember in the original one it was spilling the i think soda uh over uh everything also i want to give a big shout out to to macaulay culkin's brother kieran who yeah. is one of the main characters on succession mm-hmm. uh playing the ever awkward fuller uh just literally his he, entire he's the kid of the little glasses right um the... yeah 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 so that's that's his brother who okay. plays his cousin yeah. in the uh in the uh in the movie and i like that his entire role is just like he has glasses he drinks soda and he pees the bed and you just don't want to share the bread he's pretty much he's pretty much just a little little tommy (laughs) yeah well and the funny thing is if if you've watched succession still get to but yeah (laughs) Go, go. If Fuller Fuller if Fuller was born into one of the wealthiest families to ever walk the face of the earth, he probably would have just grown up to be Roman. That's kind of one of my. I mean, could we argue that the McAllister is one of the freaking uh, wealthiest families? I mean, think about that. <laughs> was, uh, they're, they're, it's more like Tony Soprano wealth in in, uh, in, uh, in some sense. Uh, it's one of those uh, internet rumors that goes around yep. about uh, about where did the McAllister family get their wealth? Because in the first movie, his brother is like going to France and paying for the entire family yeah. to come to, to come and visit them. And then in the second one, the dad is paying for this entire family. And I guess the uncle 
Yeah, the uh, uncles, the cousins. There's like about like eight of them or something that they're all going down to freaking Florida. Yeah. Well, 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 I like how, like, I, I, I will say a nice little play on it was, you know, like the first one is to go into France, super romantic. It's, you know, it's, it's France. And and when you hear Miami, you're like, oh, okay, we're going to the beach. It's not really Christmassy, but, you know, nothing wrong with going to Miami. And like the place that the, the uncle suggested to go there for, because he went there on his honeymoon and it's just like pouring rain and it's just an a dump of a of a hotel just really trashy motel or ever with with like the flickering neon lights like one of those places where you're where you're sharing where you're sharing the bathroom where there's a communal bathroom and you're like oh oh god like i like and you just see the van pull in like they they all just found out they lost kevin again because (laughs) you know the movie had to happen yeah of course it needed to be plot (laughs) and and the van just like does the slow pull over and and it's just all their faces like like this just like completely dead fan yeah just right. deadpan mouth agape <laughs> yeah um so so yeah uh so i guess that's a good place to start tommy what do you think kevin McAllister's father does for a living i have to imagine so kevin's family lives in like chicago right so yeah right in the chicago suburbs i think i'm not super familiar with chicago i, I mean i gotta imagine he's like a freaking like cfo for some company or like uh like very high in like stocks or something so it's a very very upper middle class for, uh maybe even past the middle class to the point where he can afford a freaking mansion for his goddamn kids the house in the movies is obviously just giant you love looking at that being like wow i wish i could ever afford that um so yeah, I'm going for like marketing CFO or something. <laughs> you think like a, a CFO, like a finance company, or, yeah. or sale He's president of sales or something? Very, very big in terms of that aspect. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not the uh, that's not the rumor on the internet okay. streets. Because on the internet streets, they, you know, the people who have combed this movie with a fine tooth comb, which we have not done. Like I, I don't have like 14 pages of notes sitting directly in front of me. Um, <laughs> Uh, they question what uh, Kevin does, and I, I think it's it's actually kind of. Um, Is the dad's name Kevin too? I don't know. I don't know. Mister well, Mister McAllister. Yeah. Mister McAllister. Until we get a name, because the names <laughs> outside of Kevin and Pigeon Lady and Harv and and uh, Mar- Mar- Marvin, Marvin uh, Harry. <laughs> Marvin Harry, yeah. uh, they don't they don't really matter too much in my opinion because it's just they're just mom and dad, yeah, uh, pretty much throughout the entire movie. Um, but I, so what was it? I there was one part. I think it's when they're she's trying to get a flight back. The mom's trying to get a flight to New York, mm. and she goes absolutely like Carmela Soprano on. I'm the uh, person working the desk. Oh, um, Tim Curry? <laughs> no, no, yeah, on Tim Curry. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the scene uh, I'm talking about. Like where she, where she, you know, they get to the hotel. That's right. They get to the hotel in New York, and she's like, and she's like, you, you tried to chase and chase down a ten-year-old. You didn't try to keep him. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, like, oh, you know, just a little credence. Now, do I think John Hughes intended for? Uh, Kevin McAllister's father, whose name is just loading, which is Peter McAllister. Okay, Peter, 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 okay. Peter McAllister to be yep. in the mob. I don't think so because I think John. That, that's Hughes a little. Yeah, that's a little much for a kids movie. 
because I think John Hughes in 1991 was probably a little bit too uh, coked out of his mind to was, uh, was he a cokehead? <laughs> uh, dude, he wrote Ferris Bueller's Day Off in like three weeks. Uh, do you that's, know how pe- that's impressive? People... That's what that is. <laughs> T- Tommy, anytime you watch a movie made from like 1978 to like 1994, and I mean, obviously later on too, but the majority of those movies were made by people on a ton of cocaine. People, people use drugs in Hollywood, shit. <laughs> yeah who would have uh, ever guessed <laughs> no i uh you know it really stunned me too it's yeah. definitely uh i thought it was just the the magic of hollywood that made it all happen exactly steven spielberg uh is a well <laughs> yeah I, I mean it wouldn't surprise i mean you look at spielberg's face it you know he hasn't exactly aged well exactly you know he you know he's got he's got the the drug wrinkles a little bit you know he he was before the botox uh the botox era of just putting the putting just like erasing wrinkles every year and then paul <laughs> younger, rudd at 50, and then paul rudd at 52 is is named people's sexiest man alive and 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 people are like how does he just look that good what is his diet or like a tom brady what is tom brady's diet it's like uh Botox is their diet. Yeah, it's a plastic surgery. It's it's one of those things that, like as a kid that like I always thought that like you know you didn't get like gray hair until like you turn like fifty or something like that. And then I realized that like Tom Cruise, the reason why he still looks uh, the same he did thirty years ago is because he fucking dyes his hair. And if he didn't do all that shit, he'd probably look like a regular old man in his sixties right now. <laughs> they also uh, digitally de-age Tom Cruise in like the Fallout movies. Like they oh they, 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 they digital do, they do the they Captain Marvel. Rem- <laughs> Yeah, they they do a lot of that. Um, that too. Yeah, that's that's, that, that's not exactly on topic. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. so, I, I I but let's just play off this idea of Peter McAllister. Like like what you know we we see it from Kate McAllister, who is Kevin's mother, played yeah. by the wonderful Catherine O'Hara. Always amazing. Always amazing. Who. You know, she gets a little ghetto fabulous there. Uh, Kevin takes, uh, when they get to the airport, Kevin takes uh, Peter's bag looking for the batteries for his thing. And when he takes it with him on the flight to New York, you know, he's got a, he's got a, I mean, he's got a, he's got a couple thousand dollars in cash. Like Just casually. Yeah. <laughs> and, not, and like, I understand you go on a trip, you're going to take cash with you, but like cash in an envelope tends to, you know, usually when you know common folk go you know the average man uh, goes on vacation they you know they get like the little wallet band that goes around their 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 stomach like the dad has the uh the fanny pack thing <laughs> no 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 not the fanny pack it's this like so the, different. the travel wallet you put it under your shirt mm-hmm. so that way you don't get pickpocketed uh where they have like and you know they care they have like the 250 dollars in cash and they have okay. like four kids with them and they have to like divide like getting the wife a gift and they have to divide getting like four gifts for the kids while they're all on vacation with that $250. Like, like that's the common man dad, you know, not having this very fancy bag and then pulling out an envelope of a couple thousand dollars uh, and all his credit cards and all his, his, uh, his, uh, his stuff. Yeah. I I got all those things. No, I got, I'm liking the travel tips right now. So uh, this is a good new angle for a podcast too. 
<laughs> yeah, Tommy, next time you travel, I think it's in your best interest to have like a travel wallet like around your band. Just I don't, a, I don't a, want you... anything. Yeah. <laughs> I, when when I was in Italy mm. a couple of years ago in Rome, we were on the subway and my dad had his wallet in his cargo like she had like the cargo shorts on and he had it in the cargo short pocket and we had people being like no 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 like 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 I had my arm like up on like the railing like you know like a New York subway and they're like no 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 like put your arm down and someone pickpocketed like 250 euro out of my dad's like uh, oh, uh pocket yeah it's, in, it's, uh, it's one of those things I always think that like you know like with so many things when uh, I, I always say like oh I'd never be pickpocketed but I'd be so fucking oblivious I'm like they, they could steal everything from me I'd be like wow what was happening <laughs> yeah yeah you you seem like a pickpocket victim so I think the travel <laughs> band yeah. is like a good it's a good idea for you yeah um, perfect yeah so so back to New York let's let's talk about the, the Plaza Hotel um, the Plaza Hotel is you know the destination they show it they they give you a little you know one of those john hughes little foreshadowing if you want to call it of oh, yeah, the commercial and, yeah and kevin takes the the uh voice recorder and just like cuts it in there and then when he gets to new york he plays it and tells the taxi cab driver you know take me there um mm. so what was your thought one did you know the the biggest can did you know that the biggest cameo in the movie was in the movie oh well yeah, i think it's one of those things that like as a cultural osmosis things i mean yes i did know um donald trump was gonna be the cameo in the movie <laughs> uh also because like apparently uh not uh we're not gonna get down the single but during a lot of election cycle a lot of articles just said uh former home alone two star donald trump so it was one of those things that you, you could really avoid that <laughs> yeah, well th- there was like a campaign to to like get him out of the movie and i'm just yeah. like and i'm just like i'm like i'm like i like listen you um, you can like or dislike whoever you want like personally that's you know my mo but yeah but like he he's uh, like you, you want to just remove him from the movie because like you don't like his political stances like i i, I feel like that's like again that's a censorship line that i wouldn't want to personally cross and i'm glad that on disney plus where i was able to stream the movie i'm assuming you did the same yeah yeah well i'm glad that they did not because it feels like something disney would do like cave to to like a like a petition.com like a hundred thousand it's one one of those things i mean like you know i don't don't agree with the guy um I, i actually thought the most jarring scene was like Kevin and like if I had to pick a scene to remove, it's like Kevin on top of the World Trade Center now. It's well, like, oh, actually, there's one thing I read about that with the World Trade Center. Um, so um, apparently, for a while um, on the TV broadcast, uh, they cut out the whole World Trade Center part until about maybe like 2010 or 2011. Because it's it really real- like a ten, like a decade. Like, yeah, for like a solid decade, just out of respect for the victims. Uh, I read this on IMDb, so I mean, like. Granted, I wasn't watching Home Alone 2. As, as we know, I have not seen this movie before. So apparently that's one of those things that that's for a while in the TV cut. They're just like, yeah, we don't need to remind people about this shit right now. <laughs> I, I think I'll, I know a lot of thing, like people. I, I know that happened in like a lot of media, like immediately after it was like like what was it spider-man was mm. like he was supposed to do like the web across like well the, tra- the yeah that was the trailer and then they had to fucking pull that trailer because people they, were... had to, 
yeah. pull, pull the trailer and like and like cut it from the movie because like yeah. you couldn't do that i mean they even wanted to to the lord of the rings the two towers which is a book from like 1940 whatever yeah and they were like well i don't think you can because i was coming out in 2002 they're like i don't think we you can name it that and peter jackson was like well the book the work i'm literally adapting is the, 60 years old and and it's called that it, it, it is what it is there was a freaking like chris rock like buddy cop movie with anthony hopkins where it came out it was came out in 2002 and they filmed it the year before where the original plot was that a terrorist was going to bomb the world trade center and they filmed that really yeah i forget i, I forgot the fucking name of this movie is uh, i'm looking i'm looking at i'm looking it up right now yeah. okay so the the movie so it came out in 2002 with Anthony Hopkins, Bad Company. Yeah, Bad Company of Chris Rock. And apparently, like, it was one of those things where, like, <laughs> imagine the fucking producers just, like, sick, uh, looking at it like, oh, God, we need to change everything right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they were in, like, pre-production, like, about to go into filming and, and like, it happens and like their first thought is not about the victims their first thought is <laughs> Jesus their first thought is we have to rewrite the entire script yeah um, like ah we can't do any of this yeah no it's just like jesus fucking <laughs> the unintended consequences <laughs> yeah that was that was interesting and i and um but yeah back to, let's go back to the plaza hotel because yeah a couple of very famous actors tim curry as the as the um, concierge who has it out for Kevin from, mm. from day one, like totally mischievous Tim Curry fucking rules. And he was awesome. He was so like devious and, and cunning. In, in, he, in he, that. he was the one thing in the movie that like felt like kind of newish to it. Cause like, I, I was trying to think of humble on one um, granted, if you could probably guess humble on one, wasn't a movie that I've rewatched multiple, multiple times. I think I've only seen that maybe, three times but anyways i don't remember a tim curry like character that's pretty much out to get kevin and be like hey like why the fuck are you home alone <laughs> no because because home alone one was, was in his the, home <laughs> the, that was in his home he like he was a, alone yeah and that was the premise and he had the old man and they have that very touching scene in the church where he connects yeah. with them and then but no know. but no tim curry so it was just like it, it, he did feel like a good new wrinkle the one thing of a sequel it's like you know giving you some similar beats but still fresh <laughs> yeah yeah he, he's de- i i would say he's like the the new star like the additional star to the movie like like i think his performance is excellent he goes so like he knows it's totally cheesy like kind of like joe pesci where he's just like this yeah. is a kid's movie this and is like, a cartoon joe pesci, joe pesci joe pesci released goodfellas and home alone in the same year and probably probably filmed good goodfellas before he filmed home alone and was just like uh, all right like uh, i'm in this one mob epic i'm just gonna fucking ham it up also yeah both of you know marv and harry are both fantastic they are even dumber in yeah. in this one which i i think i like as a touch because it's just like i think the part of the charm you know as we said it's beat for beat for beat for beat for beat yeah. kind of the same movie but they really ham it up like they, they go full cheese they in, go in and, and I, I gotta love uh joe pesci's fake cursing because you know that he was probably like try, uh, fucking up so many takes by just being like you little fuck instead he's like razzle frazzle frazzle <laughs> bullshit yeah, you, you <laughs> mother you mother and, no, and the chris club is like joe you gotta cut out the freaking cursing yeah, because Columbus is saying freaking. Well, one of the facts I found online was that, 
and I got it. I think it's an IMDb fact, but yeah. Culkin asked Pesci why he never smiled, and he would just tell him to shut up all the time. And then Pesci said that he's pampered by a lot of people, but not by me. And I think he likes that. Yeah. Like so, I, like Pesci, Pe, Pe, you know, coming off Home Alone, like Macaulay Culkin was a superstar. Yeah. yeah uh, oh no, exactly. I mean, everyone, everyone was kissing his ass back then. <laughs> I, I mean, people still do, and yeah. I, I, he's probably like the most famous child actor of the past 40 years like i'm not even sure who you put up there like as like a different one because like trying to think of like he's he's opened up like, so many the movies. strange the, stra- the stranger the stranger things kids i would say from like at the past five years it probably yeah probably the closest thing it's hard to it's hard to to kind of relate fame from today to no like it's, it's still a little different i mean like yeah like millie Bobby brown especially of all the stranger things kids are probably yeah. the closest cop we can get <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown or uh, what the kid that's in Ghost in the new oh, Ghostbusters? Oh, uh, Finn Wolfhard. Yeah. Oh, and, and yeah, for, and the kids from It, I guess, which is Finn Wolfhard himself. So. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean. Like he was in It. He was in Ghostbusters. He yeah. was in Stranger Things. So they were like every all these movie reboots were just like we need a Stranger Things kid. Yeah. And like how do we get one? The top, we're gonna take the gangly one. Uh, but yeah. So it it's uh so yeah um. So Pesci, Marv, they completely ham it up there. Like, like I rewatched the original one, and they're they're pretty straight, honestly. And you know, they're like, like I forgot it opens with Pesci like as a cop, like dressed as a cop in like full cop attire in the in the original Home Alone, and like you know trying to get information, and like everybody in the house is running around, like he's trying to ask where they're going to see what their timeline is to burglar burglar house, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he, uh, he, you know, he, like, they're, they're pretty straight in, in the movie. And like, like, Mar- like, like Joe Pesci's the, the, the straight man, Marv's, Marv's a little more the goofy one. He, he yeah, was, it's, uh, it's the classic, like Bugs Bunny, uh, gangsters, whatever, you know, like, yeah, hey, I'll see <laughs> those guys. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, Daniel Stern is like an incredible physical comedian. Like he's, yeah. he, for me, he's like up there with like, in like terms of that era, like Michael Richards, like half of Kramer and Seinfeld is just, just Michael uh, Richards, just, just him open know, up the door. If he if opening up the door, he got cheers for opening up the door. Yeah. Like, you know, exactly. You know, a little much but you know that that kind of physical uh comedy i i really appreciate and it obviously plays well into operation ho 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 yeah at kevin's uncle's completely gutted and abandoned of brownstone on the upper west side of manhattan because you know he lives in france now and had to leave the country and no, his apartment I, I, for some reason is just completely gutted i i, I don't think it was like he, he lived in france i think he like was on vacation in france while they, they took care of us so oh 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 so like like a year later they made zero progress on the apartment like oh, zero, was that was that the, was that mentioned in the first movie? Like, oh, like it, I have no, I have no idea. But uh, well, let's go with it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Let's say, like, let's pretend. Uh, like they've just living in France, waiting for the apartment to be renovated. Wink, wink. You know they're yeah. not hiding from anyone or anything. Wink, yeah. wink. And yeah. the entire brownstone has been complete. There's a giant hole in the floor. Like there's a giant hole in the floor in this apartment. Great McAllister uh, family mystery right there. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, we keep we keep coming back to it, but I, I do think that, uh, you know, there is some legs to it. I, I'm assuming John Hughes 
just assumed that the dad was like if you looked at like the character notes and the screenplay it would probably just say like Lloyd like Kevin's dad senior partner law at x law firm in mm-hmm. chicago uh but it's way more fun that we don't know because uh it just it just opens up that that little mystery uh just like what's going on with the McAllisters? like so uh, how can you afford this freaking mansion mr McAllister, or peter McAllister? <laughs> yeah um uh so all right let's just let's focus a little bit here plaza hotel Okay. What did you think of the Christmas movie, uh, or the the uh, with one of the, maybe one of the best line deliveries of all time? Merry Christmas, you filthy animal! Yeah, Merry, it was literally Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. It was good. I mean, and, and a and a happy and a happy New Year and a happy New Year. It was one of those things that like um, I was when I was writing notes and was watching as I said, watch this for the first time. Uh, I was like, is this a fucking? Is this supposed to be the sequel of the first, uh, one for the first? Or if I, I was at first, I was like, are they just playing the same exact scene from that same exact fake movie? Uh, from the no, first they movie? just they, well, they're just taking, they're just completely riffing on like those old pulp, like you know, cheapo thirty thousand dollar budget nineteen yeah. forties like you know gangster movies where you know they would yeah. run them out with you know the well you know obviously the scripts rip off of the original but yeah you know at that time like they would take like three scripts and just like re reimagine them. just like re-pump them and dump them out uh, yeah. which is clearly the kind of movie that uh that film which i cannot seem to find the name of uh of... like angels something or whatever i, I know yeah, it's, i know it's, it's angel something but um it's one of those things that like another thing in the movie where like okay do we really need like exact replica of the scene from the first movie like yes because we don't need it but when we get when you get the line merry christmas you filthy animals okay and a happy new year you know personally i would say i'm a i'm a fan of just that line alone well i i I do have to like the tim curry and um who we we haven't mentioned yet but our boy rob schneider uh our our boy rob schneider very true very true very true um we'll go on that on a different uh tangent but um i just love them on their knees and it's like yeah we i love you and just like how campy they sell that Oh, oh, it's so campy, like where they're just where he's he, and I mean, it's so fake, like Tim Curry sneaks in originally uh, and Kevin sets up the clown that his grandma gave him, which is a little homage to to it, you know, Tim Curry. You know, yeah, yeah, it, 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 uh, yeah, Pennywise, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if that was intentional or not, but, you know, he he pulls the same maneuver he pulled in Home Alone one in the shower. Yeah. As Tim Curry tries to bust uh, Kevin McAllister for clearly just making a reservation. <laughs> well, I, I, I was always trying to think of like what the main problem was. Was it the fact that like I, I guess more than anything, like oh, this kid is doing it. <laughs> well, yeah. I, well, one, I think that's the big issue. Is one yeah. the kid doing it? Well, two, and this is the part that I found dated. Like Tim. Tim Curry like looked up the credit card that they had on file yeah. for for the hotel had to run the credit card because like the after he gets the hotel the family the, the the police officer in the airport tells them to to uh, cancel all your credit cards right like, you got to you got to cancel all your credit cards so that yeah. and when he makes him makes a purchase we'll be able to find him but Tim Curry has to like 
manually run the card. So like, like Ke- Kevin could have just like, like, like they could have never actually found Kevin. Like he's obviously the device that allows them to. Yeah, the, the one thing that they had, he uses that like manual freaking credit card presser. Like I've only seen that I think once in my life. I worked at a restaurant, and then one of my bosses. I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever seen it in no, person before. I remember I worked I worked at a restaurant and uh, my boss for some reason I guess her credit card machines were down that day and he pulled this out and I was like what the fuck is this little thing right here? <laughs> it was just like like oh shit the eighties call can we get the machine back? <laughs> yeah, even the night I mean they still ran that gambit in the night I mean that's why yeah. places used to just not take credit cards was because like you had to like manually take a machine out manually it was like a printing presser where it was just like ink it up and just make it exact copy which is just like thank god things are better now because like now we have a little chip that you can just enter in it's like so fucking quick yeah exactly you don't need to keep track of how much money you spend just just keep spending exactly (laughs) spend spend money be a good capitalist Uh, exactly um so yeah, uh, so so yeah, Tim Curry, our boy Rob Schneider. I like that he tips. Kevin tips tip tips him with gum. Yeah. Uh, the first time he's you know because Rob Schneider puts his hand out, which you know at the at a five star hotel like the Plaza, any uh, any uh, bus boy would would obviously uh, stick his hand out at the guest. I guess you can probably get away with it with a ten year old because like no one's gonna listen to a 10 they, they also did, did uh show that like fucking rob schneider's character is just so greedy in the beginning where he's like oh don't count your tips in front of the customers <laughs> yeah 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 and that's like the that's a classic john hughes charm just yeah. like a little show don't tell just a little um like this is who this guy is and this is all this characters he's gonna be about money and yeah. just smiling and he's he's kind of an ass um, yeah i i did like yeah, the callback in the end uh speaking of the gum thing um I did like at the end how Buzz just goes up to him and is just like, "Hey, here you go, back back to you." <laughs> He's like, "Well, I think it's the second time he goes to the door. I think Kevin orders room service or whatever it was, and and Kevin." Kevin's like, uh, oh, I should probably tip you, right? And he's like, still have mine from yesterday. And he's like, oh, well, that's too bad. And just pulls out cash and just slams the door in his face. Yeah. I'm like, I'm it, like it, it raises another question about Rob Schneider's character, though. Like, what the fuck? Who keeps a gum, a piece of gum in their mouth for over a day? Yeah, Let- there are people. There are people who do it. I, there are people like I'm personally like I can chew through like two two to three pieces of gum in like an hour yeah same. And i just slam it in and then just like it loses a little bit of flavor and i'm done There's the second the will... flavor ste- steps out i'm like oh god can i get this out of my mouth <laughs> yeah there there are people though that will chew gum uh for over forever <laughs> yeah over and over very very strange but, uh, people um, i hope not to associate with <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think this is where we. I want to just skip ahead here to, to, to Pigeon Lady. Okay. Um, so Pigeon Lady, she's she's mean. She's old man Marley. They literally the same character. <laughs> they literally well, yeah, yes and no. Same same character function, I guess, in terms of the story. Yeah, I I got my I got. I got my on a rewatch. I got my my. I'll let you go. My issues. No, no. So, what what was your thoughts? Had you heard of the Pigeon Lady before? Uh, That was another thing. uh, Cultural osmosis. Yeah, I've heard of the Pigeon Lady. I didn't know too much about her, other than that she was a lady who had something to do with pigeons. (laughs) So, so, so like, like, 
what 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 was your opinion on the pigeon lady from intro to to end like what what okay. was your original thought um like at first immediately i was like okay so fuck they're just doing like the same thing with uh old man uh, what's his name well uh, i mean i like marley yeah old man marley i mean that being said i did like the character i did think the character um i was joking to a friend earlier today that she's like the introverted role model where it's just like ah oh, fuck i'm just gonna live by myself i don't need anyone else in my life <laughs> Oh, see, I I have the opposite opinion on on her. Maybe this is coming from multiple uh, viewings, but when when we when we take old pit when pigeon lady and Kevin uh, in the park and they they go together to, to Carnegie Hall. Yeah, they're in like like she was like, come on, let's go somewhere warm after they talk in the park. And she helps Kevin get free from the rock. And and they go to Carnegie Hall's storage unit, which is either above or below. Like, I, I didn't really understand the geography of it, but that's not really important. Uh, like, Pigeon Lady is is homeless. Like, oh, oh, like Pigeon Lady I don't think that's does not. I don't think that's supposed to be exactly uh, a very... Um what's it called i don't think it's a very subtle thing that john hughes is going for i think it's very overt in the movie like yeah she's a homeless person yeah but but like i i'm questioning why like like the, the reason they give why is like i had a boyfriend for 10 years or husband for 10 years and he 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 you know she, she had her heart broken by him and and like so she had this great life she had a good job and now she's a pigeon lady and lives in the carnegie hall shocking you, you, you'd be shocked i mean some people all they need is just one bad day and the next thing you know they just get depressed and like fuck this material world <laughs> no i don't think it's that i i am i question you know what i'm kind of assuming that pigeon lady may have been on drugs like like i think she's maybe a heroin user uh, i i don't know i think i think that's jumping a little, little bit to conclusions where it's just like but I, I mean, clearly she is homeless. I mean, I, I think that she was just a person that, like, as taken from what we know from the movie, she just clearly just went through a crazy period after her love left her. And then at that point, she was like, fuck it. I don't want to be around anyone. She probably lost her job because of depression. And she was probably just someone who just fell into the rest of the depression or anything. Uh, that, that's, that's fair. I, I still don't think that she's living... She, it's one thing if she's pigeon lady and she just has like some crummy apartment like like in the bronx or something mm-hmm. like you know somewhere uptown like some just like tiny crummy little like you know just like studio that's like 400 square feet like pigeon lady is literally like like living in a storage unit yeah with pigeons yeah i i, I do gotta admire though the homeless um tenacity um maybe not the right word but um basically the fact that like i made a note uh during that whole scene with the carnegie hall that like kevin would be the type of kid who like in his 20s and 30s that would just have to hook up for everywhere he would know how to get into every club he would know how to get into every venue he would be able to like oh oh, i know a guy yeah like oh like so-and-so can get me to carnegie hall (laughs) oh for sure well that's because he's a well one he's very slick uh, he's got that Ferris Bu- like, like he sh- like they shrunk down Ferris Bueller to make Ke- Kevin McAllister and made him just like a little more 
yeah awkward like they just said like what if ferris bueller was 10 and we named him kevin McAllister, and he lived in a big house in chicago you know very very different settings for the two of them mm. uh growing up wise yeah um you know he, he you could say that maybe after home alone 2 you know kevin decides to leave his parents because you know his parents this was this was something him twice yeah this is something that i was talking about i mean like so like I guess we should go into it now. Uh, what do you think Kevin did? Uh, what do you think, uh, hypothetical, 20 years later, what do you think Kevin's like in relationship is with his whole family? Because um, by the end of the movie in Home Alone 2, he's like, oh, family is great. I love family. Oh, like, uh, and again, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry for everything. And he makes up with them. But then like, when he thinks about it, like, he's like, fuck, like, they forgot about me. Not once, but twice. Where I defend for myself against goddamn like burglars, <laughs> like uh, it, it, obviously in the movies uh, Harry and Marv were played off as very comedic and very like cartoonish villains, but when you really think about it, it's like, thanks, like thanks, mom and dad, like you just I guess just don't care about me. I guess I'm the forget forgotten son. Like how much do you That's think it. you, like Kevin's edgy teenage phase was definitely like, oh well, like that time you forgot me in New York and at home. <laughs> Oh, once the Soprano, once the parents started watching the Sopranos, because obviously they would have watched any mob related content day one. Um, and Kevin, you know what? This is 1990. He's 10, yeah. 11. Sopranos, he's about 18. That's when they finally are like, OK, maybe we take him to therapy. Uh, he he might he might need it because he failed out of high school. Yeah, um, he probably just becomes a bit of like a fair like i as i say i think kevin is just ferris bueller i i, I think of... i think that like he probably i mean like spoken from like the last two movies i, I think that kevin's definitely an introvert as hell he's one of those people that like, he enjoys his own company i mean the fact that like he did all the shit in new york and like he did all the touristy things in new york that even as someone who's lived about an hour away from new york his whole life hasn't even done <laughs> oh well c- can i can i i want to touch on that because okay. I, yeah. I i do when a movie has taken place in new york as someone who lives in new york and somebody who is from just outside of new york and someone who's good with directions yeah i do enjoy seeing if a movie if i know the area i like to see if they actually like do it pretty geographically right yeah. or if or if it's just like we don't care and like it starts off as we don't care because he goes to the Statue of Liberty, goes on top of the World Trade Center, and then he's at the South Side Streetport where where he he crosses the street, and then Harry and Marv come off the 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 fish freezing, saying they escaped from jail, hmm. and and then and then he just shows up at the Plaza Hotel, and then the rest of the movie just takes part place on on the west side of of. Uh, the upper west side of manhattan and it's like pretty like i'm sure some of the cuts are not yeah straight which is fine but like like it's at least geographically it make you know the uh, plaza hotel somewhere on in the 60s yeah and and then the apartment i think is on west 95th street Mm. and so so you know like like where's where's duncan's toy store in between all this (laughs) well that's supposed to be f that's supposed to be fao that's like that's fao schwartz okay yeah um google maps uh, are our uh, movie rescue right now <laughs> yeah so i looked it up so the plaza hotel is on is on 59th and 5th avenue so it's on the corner there okay 
uh, so it's on the east side. Uh, so, Ke- so Kevin realistically running through the park to get to West 90, I think it's West 95th Street to go to his his uncle's apartment that he has in his father's address book is not uh, not out of the you know not out of the question like that yeah. geographically makes sense you're going to cut a movie to cut useless time yeah anyway um so and i believe it was on like 54th and 5th uh where's where like fao schwartz i think it was like right around where rockefeller center used to be was where fao schwartz was okay. um so so that's obviously that was the the, the main basis for for um for for the duncan's toy chest which, yeah. I, which is sweet that was another thing that also wasn't in the in the original um you know uh, you know talking about giving back for the spirit you know i for, guess for if, if you had to like do like a parallel one for one um duncan's toy store the closest parallel would probably be the church thing yeah no but i would say the pigeon lady with the in the thing was the closest because like the the con the context of the conversation was kind of closer to there because like true i guess they're both i guess they're both kind of kind of similar yeah both Um, like little riffs on the same thing yeah yeah they break it down into two little scenes instead of one bigger more momentous scene like having you know church is very intimate and it means a lot to a lot of people so like when you take a scene and you you really have that kind of an intimate moment with somebody who has kind of been shown as the villain of the movie quote unquote you know it's a kid's movie with old man marley and you hear his problems with his the relationship with his son kevin gives him advice like it you know it's really really sweet and Mm. you know both of these you know you know the first one was about family Mm. uh you know kevin you know uh, getting back with his family but this this one they kind of focused a little bit less on like him reuniting with his family and a little bit more on like the spirit of the season and giving mm. back in the more in the more season. more of the christmas uh typical stuff <laughs> yeah you know the 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 kind of religious side that kind of doesn't yeah. always get the, the play it should of giving back you know like duncan's toy chest was had the huge barrel of cash that was going to be donated to the children's hospital mm um kevin walks by the the christmas hospital um i did, I did like that little touch of like he basically just like shit like i can't let marvin harry get away with this so yeah exactly it's nice it was like he's you know he's he wants to give back in his own way and he throws the rock mm. uh, through the through the window mm. which directs us towards the chase through central park and operation ho 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 so which i want to get into before we get into the whole climax of everything um i was wondering this about the movie so um harry and marv the reason why they end up chasing after um what's his name the guy with Culkin, is because he takes a photo of them literally in the act of stealing the store now i guess we're supposed to take that like those two characters are just fucking idiots which they are but they probably could have just been like, all right, whatever the kid took a fucking photo of us, we could just, we're already fugitives. Let's just go somewhere else. Like they, yeah, well, it has that vendetta and yeah, angle to it. Like they, 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 they want, they wanted him. And then when he, I think if he had just taken the photo, they weren't going to do anything, but then he threw the rock through the window and the alarm went off. So they couldn't like 
go through i think they wanted to go through every floor register is yeah. what they were saying this is this is definitely like armchair uh armchair uh robbery right here <laughs> but yeah. but no so I, it, it, they could have totally just been like whatever money they got they're like okay well fuck it we got what we got this little kid's gonna be a little shit we know what's gonna happen if we try and get him again <laughs> like if, and, they, if they were smart then we wouldn't have a move <laughs> yeah i mean tommy me and you should have been the robbers in that situation we would have walked away with a ton of kids oh yeah we're, charity cash we're doing the we're doing the whole uh, mark Wahlberg thing now <laughs> yeah yeah exactly we yeah except except instead of stopping a plane on 9-11 we would have you know yeah. stolen a bunch of money from a kid's charity you know real noble um uh but yeah so i have so we're at the climax, right? This is okay. the big potato. So between all the schmaltz with with Duncan's toy chest, you know, the first, I would say, I want to say like the first like 45 minutes to an hour is just Kevin like exploring New York yeah. and the Plaza Hotel. Then he bumps into the wet bandits and it leads to that chase, you know, right after Duncan's toy box, it leads into the chase, which is kind of where it where he meets the pigeon lady. So you get like you have the the scene where with the very emotional scene with Duncan with uh at dunk with mr duncan mm-hmm. then then the chase through the park the first chase through the park with the bandits where the pigeon lady saves them saves kevin then they have that another very emotional scene there kevin after the scene with the pigeon lady where he leaves carnegie hall he walks by the kids hospital which you know i was talking about the uh you know yeah. the geography i don't know which kids hospital it was it's fine it doesn't matter yeah then then he goes back to duncan's toy chest and and decides to you know stop the robbery in progress but before he does that he stops by his uncle's house and sets it up with booby traps as his home alone tradition as his jigsaw uh, tendencies uh, go <laughs> well i think jigsaw actually takes a lot more from kevin McAllister than vice versa there buddy yeah i know you're a horror movie guy but but don't 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 say don't don't be I, like oh well they just borrowed from jigsaw it's like that movie came out oh, well, a I'm decade not, I'm not, later i'm not saying that i'm just saying that yeah similar similar tendencies <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so are, like, would you say that since you know Jigsaw is what he's a wooden puppet that's a gigantic psychopath that yeah. Kevin McAllister might be a psychopath? I, I mean, there have been many fan theories that he, uh, he becomes a fucking psycho, and memes out I, there. Yeah, there is out I, there that uh, Kevin McAllister he wanted to hurt Marvin Harry. He didn't have to do all those links. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's an it's an interesting uh, mix of of like, I like what would a child do in this case? Because like, well, Kevin sets up the house, but he is warranted because he knows that they're going to chase him. Yeah, he's de- he's dealt with them already. He knows that that you know, the first one was protecting his property. The second one, they have a he has a gun, and they're gonna you know you know, like he's protecting his life there. So like, uh, like, uh, I think in that sense, he's right, but you know, all right. So I counted it up. And from my calculations, there are 13 pranks, injuries, whatever you want to call them, booby traps that, that happened to the sticky, the sticky bandits. I think yeah. we've been calling them the wet bandits, but they are now the sticky. They're bandits. now the sticky bandits. Yeah. Um, so, and they, which, you know, ironically enough, they end up dressed like chickens after the, the pigeon attacks because they co- have all the gunk on them in the park and that's how they get caught. That's a uh, uh, Hollywood foreshadowing <laughs> right yeah, there. Yeah, you, you, you know, that, that, uh, that 
Christopher Columbus schmaltz as they call it. Uh, but you know, it's, it starts off with Marv like taking like four bricks to the face, which is you know that alone. All right, like that's a kid. That's a that's a, and that's a you know. I don't think we really need to debate. Like, would these people be alive? Yeah. No. The, the answer, no, the answer, no. The answer is no. It's one of those things that like because of the tone of the movie that like. Um, Roger Ebert actually touched on this in his review where he, he didn't like the movie that much because he said cartoon physics don't work in the real world because when you do shit like throw like bricks at um, like Marv, you can hear the bones crunch. <laughs> and that's all you yeah. can think. And, and that's what we're thinking when we're watching this. We're probably about to nitpick it itself. We're like, uh, it's like Kevin's just going on like straight murdering them right in the beginning saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I mean, uh, you, you know, I, I don't I personally kind of like the com- com- when when the tone of the movie's right, which I think Home Home Alone nails because I think you can even make the case in the original Home Alone that those two guys would be dead from getting paint cans in yeah. the face. Like, that alone they'd take paint. That alone would 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 put you in a coma at a minimum. Like I, I like lo- your I brain's lo- not not working anymore. I looked up. There's um, a freaking. Uh, there's a horror movie. This is on the Wikipedia page, which of course I have to go on that angle. Uh, there's a horror movie where a character said, "You know what would actually happen if I uh, got the paint can in the face like Home Alone?" And the character killer actually does that to a character. So, what, what what's the name of this movie? Oh God, fucking just looked up on Wikipedia earlier and I already sounds, forgot. It's probably not sounds good. like you haven't seen it. Oh well, yeah, exactly. Maybe that's the next podcast. Most likely not. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. Def- it's re- one. It's most certainly not. It's, it's definitely uh, not. Don't don't worry. <laughs> but uh, so so you know, but like the bricks, you know, I think that's like with like within the logic of like what a ten year old like. I think the one thing these movies really get right, and why I think they have an infinite amount of charm, and why people will continue to return back to watching the Home Alone series, is like, is they they just they nail the kid aspect and they make Kevin really seem believable. And yeah. like when you, you, maybe it's more relatable for men than women, but like when I think back of myself as a nine, eight, nine, 10, 11 year old, I can see a lot of Kevin McAllister in what I wanted my image of myself to be, you know, every, I mean? every um, kid wants to be Bugs Bunny growing up. And that's pretty much what Kevin is at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah. He, he, he definitely, he, there's definitely that, that, uh, you know, kind of, especially during the booby scenes where he just, the like, he's never really, he's never really in danger in, in the, you know, until the end when they like get him and when he slips on the ice and they get him in the park. Well, like, it's both like, movies have that scene where it's like, Oh, they're about to get him. And then pigeon lady or old man Carter's marley or yeah Mar- old man marley like oh. like he's never in trouble until he's in trouble which is and again it is it is probably just like they just probably looked at like the looney tunes formula and said okay let's just let's let's just do a road let's just do a road runner wily coyote skit yeah um no exactly but, uh, so i think my so where i say like okay it's believable like like you know like he sets up the whole booby trap thing like there's a giant hole in the floor you know he puts some of the oil on the ground so that they can't get in like these are all very kids things but then it escalates and at the end when kevin makes his escape he dipped the rope from the top of the building because and i actually think outside of there's only a couple that I think I actually kind of have an issue with uh, in terms of like Kevin's logic. He rigor he puts the generator on the 
faucet. So after like the paint spills on 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 Marv, yeah, uh, that you know he goes to just like wash off his face to get the goop, the paint, whatever off his face, and he electrocutes. And you know, play, you know, Ebert might say like, oh well, like you'd hear the bones crunching. Well, they literally. He literally becomes a skeleton in that thing. Like they, <laughs> yeah, they exactly. play into the, which is again, that's very Looney Tune. Yeah. Um, very Looney Tune ish. Um, that that's one I have problem with. Two, the giant banister. I have no idea how he rigged that thing. That thing must have been like like fifty pounds, and he weighs about seventy pounds. Like, I don't <laughs> think a ten year old is somehow has the strength to one just even lift that thing like move it Who knows, all, maybe, maybe he's it so, to, so smart that he fucking had a whole pulley system set up or some bullshit yeah um you know i i really like the, the the third one i really like the setup for even though i don't necessarily believe kevin would actually pull it off was the the kerosene on the hat of joe pesci yeah where 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 you know like he keeps trying to pull the lights turn on the lights and it's a bunch of fake outs and, and, you know, and you know, it's coming, but like he keeps faking it out. And then the one he's finally confident on his head's on fire and he's got to stick at it. Like, do I think, do I think Kevin would actually know how to know what kerosene is at age 10? And, and I, second I, of all, I, I think, was there just kerosene in this abandoned house? <laughs> um, I mean, I guess it seems like maybe for some insurance money, you would try to, you know, burn the place. The, the McAllister, uh, McAllister uh, scam again comes back. The McAllister family. They don't appreciate your term t- calling it a scam, Tommy. Yeah. Not, now now I'm on the list. <laughs> you got you to apologize. Um, and, and then the last thing, and again, dipped in kerosene, like, like he pushes the, 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 the t- tool table down the stairs. Like that's very vicious, but I don't think it's out of the realm of like what would a kid think to do? Like that's something a kid would think to do. Yeah. Kevin McAllister, you know, starts on the roof, gets them through the building, then chases them up the roof again. So he dipped his escape rope that he uses to climb down off the thing. He dipped it in kerosene. Yeah. And then as they tried to make their escape down the road, he lit it on fire. And then the rope, you know, burns and they fall from, you know, the fourth floor of a new york city brownstone onto the floor they're they can move though especially after all the trauma they had and again we said it they're looney tune characters it doesn't yeah matter uh we accept the, the fact that they're not gonna be dead even though when you really pick it like we are right now well like, i mean and especially in this one they're so cartoony it really doesn't oh, it's, it's worse yeah it's just kevin was really out for blood this time <laughs> Well, he was really off a blood, but I'm saying even when you meet them from the beginning, he's like they're just they're so cartoonish and yeah. like both of them. Oh yeah, no, um, 100%. Um so yeah, uh so that so yeah, so uh sorry, 14 pranks. I miscounted 14 pranks pulled on on the sticky bandits by okay. Kevin McAllister, which leads into the end of the movie where where he has the emotional scene with his mother at Rockefeller Center. Uh, I think I find it odd that he did a whole montage of like places to go in Manhattan. I really respect them for not doing uh, Times Square because like, don't just don't, if you've never been in New York, don't go to Times Square. Just like, it, it's not as exciting as you think. <laughs> uh, unless you have Broadway tickets, don't 
don't go to Times Square. There's nothing there. Um, Stores. <laughs> and and two, like like he wouldn't have gone to Rockefeller Center if he loves Christmas trees. Like I, it kind of feels like a missed thing. Like where if he like just walked by the tree, and especially since it's right near the the hotel anyway, mm. if he had just walked to the tree and uh, you know just just briefly, it only had to be two seconds. But then that way, like when when the mom clicks and she goes, I know where he is. Yeah. Um, and runs to the to the to the to the um tree to the tree and, and sees him there it's it's a very sweet moment yeah. where you know it happens again obviously the big reunions scene um and yeah then then you know buzz buzz gives kevin the first gift because you know he he earned it and uh since he threw a brick vandalized a building yeah. and and oh, and <laughs> mr duncan was like how oh, that kid that kid saved a bunch of kids christmases i'm going to give him one of everything in the store at like and he decided this at like 12 a.m on christmas morning yeah it's so <laughs> truly a christmas it's truly a christmas miracle seriously um <laughs> And then he runs out and he gives the doves. We I don't think we mentioned the doves, which I think is it's sweet to to yeah. pigeon lady, you know that way we'll be friends forever. Which he got from Mister Duncan again. It kind of connects the two nice. sentimental values yeah. of the of the uh, of, the, Char- of the movie movie characters. Yeah. And, and then of course he's you just you can somehow hear from the Plaza Hotel in the middle of Central Park that Kevin spent nine hundred and sixty seven dollars because. Because after abandoning your child for the second time, (laughs) not the first time, the second time, you really have an issue with how much money he spent. And I mean, exactly. At a certain point, it's like, okay, like, uh, fucking hell, Peter, this is your fault. I mean, like, not not only was it twice, it was twice in the span of a year. I mean, like, yeah. Think about it was this. a Christmas tradition. They called it a McAllister Christmas tradition. The, the, like they like, literally like, like lean into it. How shitty the pants are that are joking about it. I mean, like I had a situation that was like somewhat similar with like a church group, and I still bring it up all the time. I never forget about it. <laughs> Wait, you got lost with a church group? Uh, yeah. So I guess. Little... Oh, okay. I've I've known you for a very long time. When, was... when did you get lost with a church group? When I was. Uh, when I, I was uh, in eighth grade, I was doing confirmation because uh, my parents wanted me to. And um, pretty much I was on a confirmation trip to upstate New York um, where we're going on a ski trip and we're all going ski lodging and everything. And um, we're driving back to our cabins and in the cabin, uh, they, um, when we were driving towards the cabin, the car I was in got stuck in the snow and there was a car ahead of me so the chaperones told us, okay, guys, uh, why don't you all go to the next car? So we're like, okay, we've run out to the next car. The other two kids are uh, fucking faster than me. So they get to the car immediately. And then I watch as the other car drives off without me. <laughs> and meanwhile, I'm like, I'm like, well, like 12 or 13 at this time. So I'm walking in the middle of the snow just by myself, just being like, Oh my god! Like what the fuck? Like I'm gonna be like dying in these woods. I'm I'm done. I'm lost. Even though there was another car directly behind you that was stuck. Well, no, they they went away. They they weren't even there. <laughs> they oh, were, you were just like left on a side of like a road in like upstate in like by Hunter Mountain. Something like that, yeah. For for a little <laughs> bit, uh, I think I think uh, so. Th- what happened was what what saved me was a snowplow driver. I guess my pigeon lady. <laughs> Um, a snowplow driver that we saw earlier before was like, "Hey man, did they leave you behind?" And I was like, "Yeah." 
He's like, okay, cool. I'll give you a ride. So he fucking drove me to the cabin. Thank God I didn't get murdered. He was a good pigeon lady type uh, analog. <laughs> and when I got back to the cabin, everyone like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Just, everyone's like fucking clapped because they're shocked that I even made it back. Did nobody go out to like look for you? They didn't. They didn't realize. <laughs> um, yeah, my another another layer of the Tommy Tevinite <laughs> onion just continues to just unravel. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, um, yeah, my mom was not exactly happy when she found out about that. <laughs> I I would imagine. I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, you can you can actually kind of relate to it. At least it wasn't your parents. Um, um I, I know what it's like, so I still don't fucking forget that. And that was 13, 14 years ago at this point. <laughs> so yeah. Um so yeah, so that's pretty much home alone too. I, I would like to add when they're at the hotel in Florida, they are watching home, uh It's a Wonderful Life in Espanol. And when they were in France in the first movie, they were watching It's a Wonderful Life in France. And I just like that little touch. Obvious, obviously, they just forgot to change the movie and the screenplay. But uh, but no, it's a, it's a nice little touch. The carryovers, the similarities. Um, they were clearly trying to... Ca- what was the thing you said about uh, Macaulay Culkin earlier, right? With Columbus. Didn't you say that they were trying to film two and three together? Um, Are you the one telling me that, or did I read that? I I, I actually did read this earlier today. So um, they uh, it wasn't even I don't I don't know if they tried to refilm it, but Home Alone three was originally supposed to be like McCulkin as a teenager, but then around ninety four, um, he decided to retire from acting at that point. So that's why Home Alone three, which I was shocked to find out, is actually written by John Hughes, um, doesn't have Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Well, that's because in 1991, Michael Jackson visited the set of Home Alone 2. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess we, uh, we go to ratings now at this point. So, yeah, I mean, I, do you want to do out uh, of five? Sure. Okay. Um, I would give it, I mean, in terms of if I'm going to grade it on a scale of like a Christmas movie, because I think you got to treat them a little differently because like I'm, yeah. I'm going to watch this one month out of the year. Yeah. And it's on my it's it's probably on my annual Christmas movie watch list. I would I gotta give it like a four, a solid four out of five. Like I think for for what it is for a Christmas movie, and if the the original Home Alone to me is like five out of five, like one of the best Christmas movies ever made, in my opinion. Yeah. I I really like the I, I just think like I get it's the same script, mm. but sometimes it's just fun. Like it's it's just a lot of fun. Um, they do it up enough in my opinion to 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 not make it to to not make it you the first obviously you've realized it but like because you're older and you're you know you've watched enough movies but like as a kid you're not going to realize you're watching the same movie again yeah and i think he just he they capture the charm of kevin McAllister and of being a kid so well that uh that that yeah i i don't know how you can go through the holiday season i don't know how you went through 27 years of your life without seeing this movie okay the christmas season yeah but. I, I don't know it's one of those things uh so with me like i did like this movie um home alone was never really a movie um that was a christmas classic for me uh, i mean not, not in a bad way i to be honest i think the only the first time i ever saw home alone itself was maybe like six or seven years ago 
Um, oh wow! Oh, so you you didn't get to experience this at all? No, no, like... exactly. For some reason, the McAllister experience is not a part of my childhood. Um, probably because I lived through it as a ski lounge. Um, but anyways, uh, going through it, um, Homeland Two. I mean, like like you said, it's pretty much like a beat for beat kind of copy of the original for the most part. A lot of the same characters. Uh, you know, Pigeon Lady of Old Man, Old Man, fucking whatever. Marley. I always forget his name. Old Man Marley, um, and same things really they do the sequelitis thing of like oh we did it again oh it happened again but it's in new york but now it's in new york shit um that being said uh still an entertaining movie uh i still found it really good so great performances uh pesci and daniel stern were great comedic actors great physical actors uh so i'm gonna go with like a 3.5 out of uh five so yeah that that that's that's fair Uh, so would would you watch it again next christmas like on your own i i I definitely think i would um i probably would definitely wouldn't be the last time i watched this movie so so i have a question for you um so because we've been talking so much about how this movie is pretty much like a carbon copy of the first one if this movie was the first one do you think it would be considered christmas classic to the extent that the first one is as in like one of the greatest movies of all time (laughs) um well, I I don't know, like I don't I don't see how this movie I I don't see like because the name Home Alone doesn't make sense like because he's not home. Well, let's say let's say the movie, movie is called Lost in New York or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, well, one I think Home Alone part of what really makes Home Alone great is the title. Like, yeah, like obviously there's a lot more to it than that, but like, like it's not often that a movie has like the perfect title. Like yeah. Home Alone is one of the best just like perfect representations play on words like without it being too much of like we're trying to play on it like it's just i i think it's it's perfect in that mm-hmm. in that sense like lost it like just like lost in new, new york like uh yeah you know like 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 i don't think it's i don't think it's getting that kind of attention in 1992 mm-hmm. like maybe because it's john hughes and you put like a joe you put joe pesci you put Catherine o'hara yeah you put, you know, you're putting some pretty, pretty reputable actors in there. You put someone like Daniel Stern, who isn't as as big of a star as those two, but is still certainly reputable. No, yeah, certainly reputable enough of a comedic actor for like parents to be like, oh, we can go see this. Like this isn't, this isn't out of, you know, this 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 will be fine. But like, I think the name Home Alone, like you just tell some, you if you tell somebody, if you told an adult that has not never heard of Home Alone, that's been in a coma since. 1989 like what do you do you think the movie home alone is a good movie or like what's it about they're like it's somebody home alone like, yeah like, well, lost like, in new york could be probably like a thriller kid, or something <laughs> there, there's probably a movie called lost in new york which is just about somebody some indie trek about some somebody searching for love or something like that, <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah exactly um I, I don't know i mean I, I was thinking about that when i was watching it last night um especially towards the end i i still think i mean like that's Home Alone 2, let's be honest, is probably up there as a Christmas classic. Not to the extent the first one is, but it almost seems like one of those movies where like, oh yeah, the sequel's good too. It's not like it's not like one of those ones where it's like, oh like forget about the sequel, like we don't talk about it. It ruined the movie. Yeah, it's it doesn't have it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't have that uh it doesn't have that yeah. sequelitis where it should, where you just where you just go, Oh no, they they didn't make a sequel, don't even bother. But that that usually also happens. I mean, that's, I mean, after Home Alone 2, 
there's like four other home alones they Which even made one crazy. for disney they made a new one for disney plus with the with the chubby kid from uh from uh jojo rabbit like the his friend who's yeah. who, yeah, who yeah, gets yeah. enlisted and like like i saw the trailer for it and it looked just uh, it's it's like they keep well, like it's, it's such it gets a big to a point where like you can only run so well so many times with a sequel um well, I, I don't even think it's that it's like it's like missing the charm of mm-hmm. like i think well when a lot of these i haven't seen the new one yet but um i read a lot about it about what happened on like um the movie is that the way they try and make it spin it and i think this actually could have been good but apparently they didn't execute it well was they try to make it so the villains as in like the two people who try to break into the house they make them the main characters where it's just like talk trying to make I, them sympathetic not not that they're like burglars I, in this one but they're more like yeah no i i like i like that like they're probably like down on their luck dads they need to yeah yeah they, they lost their jobs they have to pay you know they didn't tell their wives whatever it's like yeah yeah I, and i i would actually i would agree with you i i think and it's part of what makes john hughes so strong and i remember seeing home alone 3 as a kid and like 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 when i was 7 or 8 whenever it came out like i remember not like i remember not liking it as a kid which should be something as kids. It's weird because kids, kids don't, kids don't like, kids like pretty much anything you throw at them. So it's got to be bad for like a kid to not like it. Yeah, um, when something's shared as a kid, uh, then you know it's really fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, um, and and what well, all I'll say is just to like end on it is like what makes those like classic John Hughes movies. And like I haven't done a deeper dive into his later catalog, but like I think he definitely lost a step and like part of what really makes you can go to ferris bueller you can go to breakfast club you can go to any any of any of his other stuff that's not home alone he really gets the sentiment and like the heart and he's able to he's able to take five ten minutes out of the movie and give you a reason to to really care about the characters and to get an understanding of like where they are emotionally and not in a ex exposition dump kind of way in very sentimental moments and then they always kind of pay off at the end yeah. uh you know kind of like old man marley in the church and then yeah. the shovel at the end to save Kevin. like like i think that's part of what that's part of the charm also we didn't mention it criminal we didn't mention it but john williams electric on the score yeah i i, I forgot that honestly like, until you mentioned that he did the score of us um yeah but still fuck like any popular movie from like goddamn like 1970 until probably like 10 years ago john hughes probably did yeah. the score he's up there <laughs> yeah john, john williams but yes yeah uh, a lot of john's getting thrown around there but so yeah okay so i give it a four you give it a three and a half if yeah. you haven't seen home alone 2 uh go see home alone 2 and Recommend. if you haven't watched it yet this this holiday season give it a watch uh i'm tim sestito i'm tommy tevene <laughs> and and uh, I guess we have seen it. All right. Have a good night.